Well, this past week, I was out in California for a counseling conference, and each day we would counsel with several different people, and I was talking to, to one lady and asked her, who is somebody you would like to have more compassion for? And she mentioned her brother, and she'd said they had been apart for years, had not talked because he had domestic violence charges, and she said they basically stopped because eventually his kids got old enough, they moved out of the house, but since he had been abusive for so long, she and her brother had not spoken in years. Getting to know this individual, she mentioned she had a, a gift for playing the piano. I said, that's, that's amazing. She said, actually, my whole family has a gift. My children play musical instruments. My mom plays an instrument. She said, even my brother plays an instrument. She went on to share she played the piano and he played the guitar. And I said, you know, it sounds like music could be a way to bridge the gap to start rebuilding that relationship. And I asked her, have you ever played a song with your brother? And she kind of froze and you could see just the awakening happening, a real aha moment. And she looked at me and said, I have never played music with my brother. We're in our 50s and we've never played together. And I said, you know, the holidays are coming up quick. Perhaps you can put together a song and both of you play it for your mom. And she said she was going to go home and write a song and call her brother. It's a great moment of just having that aha or that awakening or seeing things different and making a slight adjustment that can have massive positive consequences. When we gather together and for those able to join us for communion or those on the radio not able to join us, let's talk for a few moments about what that means though to take that bread and cup and to daily have those aha moments, that spiritual insight where literally everything can change in a moment. That word communion, it actually means participation or partnership. And Paul uses it that way in 1 Corinthians 10, Verse 16, when he says, is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? Now that word has a depth of meaning. Probably we will not understand fully this side of heaven. But that participation, that partnership is encapsulated in the understanding we are united with Christ. Greater is he in you than he that's in the world. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives in me. So that participation has a deep spiritual sense that maybe we can't fully understand, but we can understand the, the picture being painted that we are in partnership with Christ. He lives in you. He lives in me. And together we are to change the world. That partnership, Paul says, extends when he writes this in the next verse. There's one loaf. And we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. That partnership also includes believers around the world. You and I can go to any continent and talk to people that believe in Christ, and we would say we share this partnership together, our faith in Him, therefore we are family. And anybody anywhere in the world can come to Akron, and the same thing happens, because we are in Christ in a full partnership with him. You know, the statement Paul makes, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28, important to do every day.
whether we take the bread and cup or just in our prayer. But he said, before you eat the bread and drink the cup, you should examine yourself. That examining is to examine my attitude. It examines my motivations. It examines my life to say, is there sin that needs to be confessed? Are there things I need to stop doing, things I need to start doing, commitments to make, rights to be made wrong, to examine ourselves? I was listening to Tony Robbins counsel an individual. This was in a group setting. People were asked to stand that had something they wanted to talk about. One particular lady stood. She had gone to a dog park. Her dog was aggressive with another dog, and that dog's owner yelled at her, told her to control her dog. She was upset by that, went home and told her husband what happened. And then she was more upset because his reaction was not what she believed it should have been. We'll come back to her in just a moment. Beautiful story in the Gospel of Matthew, also in Luke, which has more details. Just three verses, though, in Matthew. Matthew 9, verse 20, a well-known story, but let's unfold a few important points. A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. A well-known story, but understand in that culture some of the implications taking place here. This woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, and that means that in her culture, she would not be allowed to attend the temple worship. She was considered unclean. Anybody she touched would then be unclean, and they could not go to the worship in Jerusalem for many weeks because they had to go through a ritual purifying process. So she has 12 years of feeling ill, weakness, sickness, but more than that, spiritually, she's outside of the community. She's an outsider, perhaps even feeling outside a relationship with God. And when she comes up to Jesus, she touches the edge of his rope, some tassels that are a part of a, a prayer that are given. So what's taking place here? We'll come back to her story and see in just a moment. Ultimately, what she understood is that she was reaching out to touch Christ because she knew something about him. Let's read Revelation 19.9. John also wants us to understand something about Jesus. He says this, The angel said, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. John is seeing a picture of the future when Jesus comes back and death is defeated and we're reunited with those who have gone before us in Christ and no more tears shall be shed, no more sickness. And he says, you know, that day is like a wedding feast. Jesus used that terminology with the disciples when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, a room. I'll come back to take you to be with me where I am. Those are statements made at a wedding. He pictures and paints this metaphor for his return as a grand feast. 
a celebration, a wedding, in fact. And John is told by the angel, blessed are those who are invited. Blessed are you. And blessed am I. No matter what takes place in life, no matter how difficult this week has been, no matter what challenges lie before us, in the next seven days, we're blessed. Because the invitation has gone forth to join the one who said it is finished. And that's what this lady understood that had the issue of blood for 12 years. If I could just touch the edge of his robe, everything will be different. Everything can start new. Everything will change in that moment. Blessed are those invited. Tony Campolo shared about a time he was traveling and he was at a particular church sharing a message. And afterwards, he was asked to pray for a man who was very ill final stages of cancer. Tony said, you know, I prayed with authority and faith, was convinced this man was going to be healed. And we prayed with intensity. And I just had this certainty what was going to happen. He said a week went by. I was back home. The phone rang and this man's wife was on the line. And she said, remember me. He prayed for my husband with cancer. And he said, I could feel the excitement. I knew she was going to say a miracle happened. I said, of course I remember. She said, I want you to know he died three days after you were here. She said, I want you to know something else. And she shared words that changed his life. She said, my husband was an angry, angry man. And he'd been that way for years. Bitter, unhappy. But that night after you prayed, he went home. Everything was different. I'd never seen him more happy in my life. And for the next three days, we had such an intense joy. She said these words. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. Blessed are those invited. That's what the woman with the issue of blood understood. Jesus was well known. They knew him as a teacher. They knew him as a healer. Some knew him as Messiah. Some did not, but they all knew him. In fact, whole towns came out to hear him. And when he's walking by, she knows if I can just reach out and touch his robe, everything changes. Back to the woman at the dog park. She was upset with her husband about the incident. She went back the next day and he didn't go with her. And so Tony Robbins said, did you ask him to go with you? She said, no, he should have known what I wanted. And he said, why are you so upset at your husband for what another person did? 
And she said, because he should have gone with me. He should have known I did not feel safe. At this point, her husband stood up to speak. We'll come back to her in just a moment. Matthew 9 continues, The woman said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. That is such an important point. She said to herself. Again, we talk often, what do we say to ourselves when we gather for worship, when we're in our own prayer time, study time during the week? What is the expectation that we have? As we come to days where we celebrate communion or the feast, it's time to especially focus in and say, here is my expectation. This is what I believe God for today. This is what I need him to do in my life. Monica and I, this last week, we went to a museum and they had all these beautiful models where they had hand-carved these ships that had been built 2,000 years ago and 1,000 years ago. One was very fascinating. From about 2,000 years ago, a ship from Greece and it had all these oars and it was used as a battering ram. And essentially, they would try to sink another ship by ramming that one and putting a hole in the side so that ship would sink. And the one who was not sunk was the victor. And what was interesting is they chose a captain for the ship, not based on his experience, but rather he was picked because he was the wealthiest man in the community. And they had a belief that Give it to the man to be in charge who has the most to lose and he'll find a way to be the victor. Fascinating. The person with the most at stake will make the most effort. For us personally, we have to stop and say, you know, what's at stake in my life? What is the cost of not following through the promises I've made in Christ or leaving things like they are? What is the cost of not surrendering all things unto Him? What is the price I'm willing to pay to simply say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. This woman with the issue of blood is someone who knew who Jesus was. She had an understanding of John's statement, blessed are those invited. So may we come recognizing that the real cost was paid by Him, that we might be free indeed. You know, in that culture, she was playing a dangerous game. Go back to Matthew chapter 9, verses 20, 21, 22. Just five words, she has now reached out and touched him, and it says, Jesus turned and saw her. Now, if we were there in that crowd, here's the thing. She knew who he was. She knew that if she touched him, he would be then unclean. Here's the beautiful reversal, the promise in Christ. He was not made unclean. Rather, she was made clean. 
Anybody else she would have touched would have been ceremonially unclean because she was unclean. But when she touched Christ, the opposite happened. She was healed. She was made clean. And so if we were watching when he turned and saw her, we might have thought he's going to chastise her for touching him in her state. Maybe embarrass her. That's not what happens. That's the beautiful reversal of the gospel message. Our sin does not make him unclean. Rather, our sin is covered by his grace because where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And so when we take the bread and the cup, it's an acknowledgement that he has died and risen and his blood cleanses us from all sin and we are made whole. And so when Jesus turns and it says he saw her, he didn't see her with eyes to condemn, rather he saw her with compassion. That's really what's happening back at that dog park. When the husband stood up, he said, you know what? If I knew she had felt unsafe, I would have been there. But here's the thing. She hasn't felt safe in a long time. Because two years ago, I had an affair. And two years ago, she took off her ring And we have been hanging by a thread ever since. And we're actually here as a last ditch effort. And he looked at his wife and he said these words, I am not who I used to be. And if you'll have me spend the rest of my life making you feel safe. And he took out the ring and he asked if she would put it back on again. And she did. Jesus turned and saw her. It's what we all want to know that we are seen. Seen even in our sin. He sees us and He calls us to come forth and to be clean. In the fear and in the darkness, the promise is He sees us. When nobody else seems to notice and we're on the outskirts of society, the promise is He sees us. 800 years ago, Catherine of Siena said, If you are what you should be, you will set the whole world ablaze. What is the expectation you and I bring today? Do we fully grasp how blessed it is to be invited? To know if we just reach out and touch Him, all things are different. Because the promise is, 
no matter what. Jesus truly, truly sees us.